Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kali. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kali, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kali. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Dave Rice with REI Bookkeepers. Uh, welcome to the show, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Dave Rice uh, does accounting along with his wife and his uh, team of bookkeepers. They handle a lot of sensitive information and make sure all their clients' businesses are properly up and running uh, from an accounting perspective. So today we are, we are going to dig into um, sort of the best practices and what sort of the experiences Dave has in terms of uh, how they have helped clients and what are the best practices they have heard. So I appreciate you taking time, Dave. Um, walk us through some of your background, Dave, as to how you came about in such a big way for helping the investors uh, from an accounting standpoint. Well, thank you. Happy to. Um, my wife, Lori, and I have been real estate investors for a number of years. And um, when we sold our last business, we, uh, we got, into, got into investing. I was doing remote fix and flips. Um, I'm based in Naples, Florida, but we were working in the Midwest because we liked the prices there. Sure. And mm -hmm. um, so we were doing them and uh, we had some great ones and we had a few failures, just like everybody else in this business, mm -hmm. if we're being honest. And I was talking to another investor one day, actually, uh, I think via LinkedIn and somehow bookkeeping came up and he asked what we were doing. And I said, well, my wife, Lori, is an accountant and has done the books for our businesses for many years. And that's mm -hmm. what we do. And he said, well, we need help. And we got talking about it. We've always been home-based. We've always run our own business out of our home. And so we put a note in LinkedIn. This was about three years ago. Mm -hmm. And our business blew up. Uh, oh, we, I see. Mm -hmm. We started getting requests from all over the place. And uh, it, it's become our full-time uh, full occupation. It turns out we've got a knack for it. Uh, mm -hmm. My background is small business. I've built and sold a couple of pretty successful uh, small businesses. Lori has an accounting degree from the University of Wisconsin. We're both Wisconsin graduates, proud Wisconsin graduates. And um, she has an accounting degree and actually has a CPA license that's now lapsed, but she really knows the background. Mm -hmm. And what we learned in bookkeeping is that anybody can say that they're a bookkeeper, but we are real estate investors. We understand real estate investing from a bookkeeping perspective. Mm -hmm. And that's our niche. We only take on clients who are investors. So we're able to really hone in on a niche and really get good at the, uh, what, we, what we do. And that is providing premium bookkeeping services for other real estate investors. Awesome, awesome. Now, uh, give us some, uh, you know, some information about how your team is, how large uh, you know, team is, or what sort of different uh, activities within your services you provide. I know you said bookkeeping and accounting, but are there any like other facets within that perhaps you focus on? 
Well, we're very careful to stay in the bookkeeping realm. We're not tax advisors. Sure. We get mm -hmm. lots of questions and we really prefer to leave the, the tax uh, decisions to the experts. Sure. We believe mm -hmm. that as bookkeepers, uh, we can provide a great service to investors, but, but real estate investors need a lot of special tax advice. So we stay away from that. We really, we really want to stay inside the, uh, the, the bookkeeping realm. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. You asked about our team. Our team right now is uh, is a team of six: my wife Lori, myself, and um, and then we have four uh, other bookkeepers who work for us. Mm -hmm, uh, that mm -hmm. team is growing rapidly as we uh, as we grow. Sure, um, mm -hmm. we're all virtual. Uh, we have clients literally all over the country. Um, <laughs> But with today's technology, absolutely, uh, we didn't we didn't have to make any changes in the last few months. We've been using Zoom for the last few years. We've worked be, between the telephone and uh, video conferencing and email. We're able mm -hmm. to to function, you know, where we want, when we want, and when our clients need us. Absolutely, absolutely. I think with the digitization of everything, including you know the conferencing and you know just like the medium that we are conversing on using you know let's say Zoom and other webinar mm -hmm. platforms, it's it's amazing. You know, you could be almost virtual and do everything via emails and video phone calls and stuff, right? <laughs> exactly. Awesome, exactly. awesome. Uh, so now, uh, Dave, give us uh, just a general sense of what a uh, sort of a basic accounting setup should be for someone looking to, uh, you know, take their baby steps into, uh, you know, just getting themselves set up, you know? Okay. Happy to. This comes up very often. We'll, we often get inquiries from, from investors who are relatively new in the business and mm. maybe not ready to hire somebody like us yet, Sure. Mm. but we like to get them off on the right foot. And it's a very simple few steps. Of course, we, uh, we tell them to, if they're going to establish a, an entity, they should do that and talk to their legal people about that and decide whether they want an entity. And then we recommend that they set up a business bank account. Mm -hmm. And you know, if the bank offers you a business credit card and a line of credit and all that, take everything they give you. Mm -hmm. But it's important to establish a business uh, set of business bank accounts. Mm -hmm. And to right from day one, you want to conduct your business out of that bank account. Um, mm -hmm. If the business needs money, take your personal money and put it into the business and pay the bills out of the business banking account. That's step one. Mm -hmm. The second step is we suggest that they set up an email address just for their business mm -hmm. so that as they generate receipts and documents, they can scan them, take a picture of them with their phone or scan them and save all that to that email address. And mm -hmm. now all of that information is going to be in one place. So sure. mm -hmm. when they're ready to hire somebody like us, mm -hmm. we can go in and we can access that bank account. We can access that email address. And now we can put together a complete set of books with all the information that they've been keeping all along. Um, I see. And, and so, so to just to clarify there, uh, mm -hmm. Dave, you are saying that having that shared email address uh, kind of acts like a glue between your team and the client sort of, right? Well, right. Initially, before they hire someone like us, we have mm -hmm. them, we have them make an email address that they can keep all of their information. Sure. In. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And then what we do um, when somebody becomes one of our clients is we actually create a unique email address for each of our clients so that they're 
they can provide all of their information, documents, receipts, right to us. We know who it's coming from. Mm-hmm. We know where it goes. And then mm-hmm. we can handle uh, all those receipts. So, I see. And, and just on a related topic, Dave, do you think that uh, since, you know, I guess we are talking about emails and things like that now with, let's say, Dropbox or Google Drive, uh, mm-hmm. these type of uh, shared, uh, you know, uh, things that we have, right? Uh, so can the data be stored in them? And do you, does your team function uh, using those shared folders and, and things like that as well, or is mostly email? Well, we're... We do mostly email, mm-hmm. uh, but we're starting to work more and more in Google Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're fans of Gmail, and one of the big reasons is uh, Gmail to Gmail is all encrypted. Sure. So mm-hmm. we know that our, the Gmail address that we set up is encrypted, mm-hmm. and 99.99% of all our clients already have a Gmail address. So we like to use Gmail to Gmail. You know, if anything is safe, we think we're as safe as we can be using encrypted email. Um, we're starting to move more and more towards uh, Google Drive. It's becoming a good repository for our clients to, to put HUD statements sure. and, and larger documents into. Um, so we, we feel good about both of those uh, both of those arrangements. Glad, glad. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, are there any best practices, um, uh, Dave, in terms of how someone should be uh, like maintaining their receipts or invoices and, you know, keeping them secure or always, you know, sort of sharing with their accountant and things like that? Could you maybe share with us some uh, some tidbits regarding that? Sure, sure. Uh, I, I, I'll explain it kind of the way, the way we operate with clients, sure. and then that mm-hmm. may be a good way to, uh, to illustrate things. Mm-hmm. Our, our, we, 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 work, we work in QuickBooks Online. All of our clients are in QuickBooks Online with their, with their own accounts. Mm-hmm. And so um, part of our efficiency is using one set of accounting software, and we happen to like QuickBooks very, very much. It's not mm-hmm. perfect, but it works really, really well for us. And so what we do is... Um, in, in QuickBooks, we actually set up so that all their business bank feeds are actually live right into QuickBooks. So they feed right in there. Mm-hmm. And then the clients provide us receipts and backup information for those transactions. Mm-hmm. We actually take all those receipts and documents and HUD statements and electronically attach them to the transactions. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. by doing that, not only are we keeping track of their books, but we're generating a book of, of proof of evidence Mm -hmm. of what has happened because we all know that as your income goes up um, at some point the the guys in washington may want to take a look at what you're doing and and (laughs) we may need to prove something sure sure so we don't require anybody to provide us receipts but if they are willing to provide them to us we will attach them and that becomes essentially a a long-term permanent record of Mm -hmm. everything that happens and it makes the books much, much more valuable with all the, with all the proof behind them. From a client's perspective, mm-hmm. all we ask is that they conduct their business in their business bank accounts mm-hmm. and hang on to their invoices electronically, of course, is what we're talking about. And sure. it's usually no more complicated than taking the smartphone that we all have. Mm-hmm. You can take a picture or you can turn them into PDF files right on your phone. Sure. And mm-hmm. there's no reason to not keep track of all of that. You can throw it into a, an email account, set up a separate folder for every month or every year. And 
uh, that information will be there forever. Sure, sure. And, and speaking of that, uh, that was going to be my next question, uh, Dave, is that, um, you know, there's a law of retention as to how many years you should keep the receipts and different books and things like that. Can you share with our listeners, like, how many years should they retain their records uh, from a compliance perspective? That's more of a tax question. So I'm not mm -hmm. 100% sure, but everything I've always heard is seven years. Right, right. And so that's what we, that's what we do. Um, once a, uh, and once somebody established a QuickBooks account, that mm -hmm. data is there as long as they pay for the account. And it's mm -hmm. even there another year after they stop paying for it. Mm -hmm. We always tell our clients if they decide to, to leave us or close their business, they should make a copy of all of that and save that electronically so that they have a digital copy forever. The general number is seven years. And honestly, my wife, Lori, and I are even more conservative than that. We keep everything for 10 years just to be safe. Hey. Right, right, got it, got it. Now you mentioned QuickBooks, uh, um, you know, software, uh, Dave. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the features you like and you're like such a fan of QuickBooks? Because, and the reason I ask is that mm -hmm. nowadays, a lot of times, you know, investors are taking on their own property management software. And right. a lot of like, depending on the software, you have some pieces of accounting already built into it, right? Now, yeah. Uh, when we bring in a QuickBooks uh, solution, it sounds like, uh, you know, on one hand, uh, definitely it is a very powerful medium, right? But I guess mm -hmm. one, one perspective also can be is that um, investors might also think that, oh, geez, you know what? My property management has all these different uh, features built in. Why can't uh, I leverage that? You know, could you maybe share some, uh, some of your thoughts around that? You know, what's, uh, QuickBooks great at and what some of our, our sort of the competing uh, differences maybe? Sure, sure. There are plenty of uh, property manager uh, platforms out there right. that have some basic accounting built into them. Mm -hmm. And um, the accounting side of those actually work fairly well. They're quite limited in, in the reports and the custom reports and things that we can pull. Um, we're not super knowledgeable about them, but we do see them once in a while. Mm -hmm. um, where QuickBooks shines is we can take an all-accomplishing approach to their, to their books where the property manager is only going to keep track of those properties that they have uh, in a rental situation and keep track of the expenses that are associated with those rentals. Uh, mm -hmm. With QuickBooks, we take a number of steps beyond that. Uh, not only are we keeping track of all the repairs and expenses of a property, mm -hmm. uh, and not only are we keeping track of the rent, that's really the two things that the property management software is really good at, sure. is tracking mm -hmm. the rental income and tracking the repairs and maintenance expenses. Right. Where we mm -hmm. step beyond that is uh, when we build a proper set of books for a client, we're, we're going to build a balance sheet. We're going to show the value of their assets. Uh, you should be able to look at your balance sheet and know and see how many properties you own, what the, what the value is of those properties, in other mm -hmm. words, what you have invested in them. Mm -hmm. If you have a mortgage on those properties, you should be able to look at that balance sheet and know how much you owe on that mortgage. You should be able to know if you have an escrow account associated with that mortgage, you should know how much is in that escrow account. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. by tracking all this, we can keep track of, you know, how much you're spending on uh, insurance per year, how much you're spending on property uh, insurance, um, uh, more, uh, I'm sorry, 
the interest taxes, sure. and mm -hmm. property taxes, property insurance, all of that. We can track all of that uh, inside mm -hmm. QuickBooks. Plus, every business has all any myriad of other expenses, including many different marketing expenses. Mm -hmm. The property management software doesn't address that because it's only concerned with the properties. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. we, we like to keep track of all the marketing expenses and we track, we break them up by channel. For instance, if you're, if you're using three different marketing channels to look for deals, mm -hmm. we will track the expenses in all of those marketing channels. So we want to be able to tell you, you know, here's what you spent on direct mail. How many deals did you get from direct mail? How much, here's what you spent on cold calling. What deals did you get from cold calling? We want to, we want to provide some evidence so that they know their money is being spent well. Sure, uh, sure. I appreciate that detail there, Dave, because I think you, you brought up something very important there is that, you know, pretty much QuickBooks will act as like your dashboard of sorts, wherein, mm -hmm. you know, you can see all the higher level buckets. Okay. What are your taxes, insurance, you know, your escrow amounts for different things mm -hmm. and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And, and actually, I never thought of it that way, but it's, it's very powerful that you can just look at it and, 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 you know, from a real estate investor's perspective, I know for sure that, Many times I have personally struggled with saying, oh, geez, what is my tax or what is my insurance amount for uh, this property and things like that. So I think having that is very powerful because, I mean, as all investors know, all the time, every other month, you are required to send some type of statements or some financial, uh, personal financial statements of sorts and things like that, whether it's right. your banks or, you know, different folks, right? And having sort of that dashboard is very important. And, and I think you also raised a very important point where you were saying that at any point in the month, you probably should know, okay, what is your mortgage balance? And that sometimes becomes like uh, almost like two or three days affair sometimes because, you know, you're emailing the bank rep and getting the information. And depending right. on their schedules, you sometimes don't even get information for a few days. Exactly. So I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that. Now, uh, in your opinion, I mean, you've seen the industry a lot. I mean, you helped so many clients so far. Um, help us understand the complexities. Like, And where I'm going with this question, Dave, is that... Um, investors all the time are uh, you know opening new properties or new accounts or let's say uh, folks are doing a lot of syndications and you know you're rolling over from one to other so in that case uh, explain us like how you handle some of those complexities happy to that's a large part of our of our work actually uh, mm -hmm. because our clients are active investors they're mm -hmm. They're acquiring properties. They're selling properties. They're they're rehabbing properties. We don't have as many syndication clients, but probably more like your your listeners may be. But we have a lot of smaller um, investors who, like I say, they're they're often a typical month. They might buy a property or two, and they're and they're in the process of rehabbing three or four properties. Mm -hmm. They're in the process of turning maybe one or two of those into a rental. Mm -hmm. They might throw in a couple of wholesale deals in that. And mm -hmm. the accounting for all of those is very, very different. Um, and we go through this with each of our clients. Like, for instance, with a rehab property, if you're buying a, a property to flip, mm -hmm. you buy it. And we track all of those expenses for buying the property, the purchase costs, all of the rehab costs, even if there's interest you're paying to a private lender, utilities, re, uh, labor, materials, all of that goes into the asset. Mm -hmm. And it becomes an asset on your balance sheet until you sell it. Mm -hmm. Once you sell it, 
it leaves the balance sheet because you don't own it anymore. And at that point, we can take their closing statement when they sell it, we know what they sold it for, we can figure out how much they had invested in it, and we can give them a, the exact profit that they made on that property. And, and you'd be surprised how many people, when they come to us, they'll say, the last six properties I've sold, I have no idea if I made any money or not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you there because you know when everything is not properly organized it just becomes like one big bucket and you have no clue you know <laughs> that's right that's right and, and then i mean and trust me i've been there done that actually you know uh, now how does the ongoing relationship in in the very cases that you describe uh, dave how does that ongoing relationship look like meaning um are investors sending you balance sheets or reports from their property management software? Like how, how does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? Like, you know, uh, what do you see your staff busy? Like what sort of input they are getting? I'm, I'm kind of curious to know, like, sure. you know, well, how does that pan out from day-to-day -day basically? Sure. I'm happy to answer. What, what happens is, you know, I have a, I have a string of email addresses on my, on my computer and, as, the, as throughout the month, there are things just landing in there all day, 24 hours a day. Um, as soon, what we instruct our clients to do is as soon as they receive their property management statements, their mortgage statements, their monthly bank statements, um, receipts for all of the different auto pays that they have, mm -hmm. we just tell them just forward that to us as soon as you receive it. Mm -hmm. And it sits in their email address and that becomes our to-do list essentially. Mm -hmm. So we're going through and throughout the month, we're just, you know, doing our best to keep up all the way throughout the month to make all those entries. And it, and it is complex. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're going to track, we, uh, like with a rental property, we track the rental income, we track repairs, we track um, if they're making capital improvements, those are accounted for differently. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. And so all of those things have to be taken into account. We need to know what a property, what it, the intent is mm -hmm. of the property um, so that they can, they can do that. Most of our clients are not in their QuickBooks account very often, if at all. They, you know, we've essentially told them, look, but don't touch. <laughs> <laughs> that is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we want them in there because like for instance, if they're doing a rehab project, they can look in there anytime they want and know exactly how much they have invested in that, in that property. And that sometimes becomes very important because sometimes the rehab costs can get away from you. And by making sure that we have a report that they can easily access so they can know exactly what they've spent on the property right up to the, you know, to the last day or so, mm -hmm. that really helps them manage their budgets. That's a really useful service that we provide, but we don't ask our clients to make any entries in QuickBooks. We don't want them making entries. Um, we right. want so them to do you, that to us. Sure. So are you saying Dave there that um, you are giving them sort of a view only access so that they cannot like uh, edit any entries and things like that? Is that typical? No, we don't limit their access because we believe that the data is theirs. We just ask them not to fool with it. Sure, sure. Yeah, I know. And sometimes, you know, few entries can create a, a big cascade of uh, problems for you, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But we make it clear. We always like to have our, our clients. We want them to own their data and, um, and, we, and we manipulate it. But we, we welcome them going through those reports. And it's interesting. We have clients who want to 
go through and look at every single line of their income statement every month and go through it with us. We have others who never look at it. They just want to know that it's right and they want to hand it to their tax person at the end of the year. Right. Um, and that was going to be my follow-up question, uh, Dave, is that I think the end result or the end objective is mostly to kind of create a consolidated, concise statement you're giving correct. to either tax person or at any point uh, during sort of the year or the month, you are just looking at a high level statement that, okay, where we are, how it's looking, is that kind of what the general purpose would be? It is, it is. And many of our clients say, you know, I don't really need monthly statements, but our, our response always is, we, the monthly statements are a self-imposed deadline from us. We want to keep up. Sure. And mm -hmm. by, by telling ourselves that we're going to get you statements, usually by about the 10th of the month, uh, by the 10th of the following month, we have the previous month's statements ready for them. And mm -hmm. by putting that self-imposed deadline on, we keep up and we force our clients to keep up. We learned quickly that, you know, once you get past a few weeks and we start asking questions from last month, people just don't remember what happened if they don't have the paperwork. So Sure, it's sure. a deadline for all of us to work towards mm -hmm. to keep up. Um, so, and we've actually had clients who've come to us and said, you know, they didn't get any information from their bookkeeper until December of last year. Well, <laughs> that's not soon enough to do anything about it or to even discuss it and adjust. And we right. meet with our clients regularly to go through their financials and we talk about here's where you're spending money, here's where you're, you know, we, we, we want to help them control their spending and control their budgets and make sure they're spending their money in the best possible way. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that, Dave. Now, uh, Dave, explain us like some of, in your experiences, um, what some of the limitations that you see currently between whether, you know, that's perhaps how investors are setting themselves up or uh, now that you have a flourishing practice, um, where do you see some of the limitations uh, within your, you know, in the accounting realm of things of sorts that uh, perhaps you would like that, hey, whether it may be a tool or a habit or a system that perhaps will, you know, help you get better and maybe have better results for clients? Well, it's a, it's a good question. And, you know, we're, we're always uh, talking to our clients, finding out how we can do things better, how we can be more responsive to them. Um, that, you know, we feel that's really important. We're very transparent, mm -hmm. um, you know, with our clients. Um, and, and what's interesting is our clients are really busy people. You're, if sure. you're an investor, you know how valuable every, Absolutely. every minute mm -hmm. of the day is. And so, what I always tell new clients is our goal is to, to be completely in the background. Mm -hmm. um, we just want, we want to be your behind the scenes people that keep things running so that when your when your lender calls and says, I need an updated statement so we can redo your, your, uh, we can refi your, your properties. Mm -hmm. We can generate that for them. Um, our goal is to just, you know, make our goal is to make their life a little bit easier and take something off this investor's plate. Sure, sure. Now, uh, since you've seen these many clients, Dave, um, give us like maybe perhaps two extreme examples uh, of investors who came prepared or how a perhaps a shabby uh, sort of setup looks like. And, 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 and I guess where I'm trying to go with that is that, um, 
you know, what sort of uh, setup like investors should uh, gear themselves to so that they don't have a uh, sort of a spaghetti of sorts. And, and, and I'm speaking this from experience, to be perfectly honest with you. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of statements that you made uh, really ring true because I have been through, I mean, I own a couple of hundred properties myself and mm-hmm. I've been through countless cycles where, you know, I'm going to refi, but I have no confidence in my numbers uh, saying, oh, geez, I don't even know uh, how much I spent because, you know, I would be doing like maybe three, four, sometimes seven rehabs at a time. So I'm just doing a best guess, you know, Mm -hmm. and I did not have, I mean, although I had, you know, all kinds of softwares and, you know, electronic receipts come to me from Home Depot and probably all kinds of stuff, but I just never had the bandwidth, right? Right. So I'm kind of uh, perhaps being very uh, candid enough to admit that I fall myself into that shabby category. Mm-hmm. But in your experience, I and I know personally as well, uh, many other investor friends who are, um, you know, pretty much uh, very good into bookkeeping, whether they are taking pictures or keeping receipts in the shoebox and things like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. kind of give us a sense of two extremes uh, and maybe, you know, that will be like really nice for our listeners to hear, you know. Sure, sure. Happy, happy to. Um, yeah, we've had clients come to us who've been in business for a number of years. Um, sometimes they haven't even filed taxes for the last three or four years because they were just so overwhelmed and didn't know oh what boy. to do. <laughs> they don't know, they don't know where to start. They're kind of looking over their shoulder. Sure. Um, and it's really a, it's a really tough way for us to get started. Um, sure. mm-hmm. but I always reassure uh, the new clients that nobody ever comes to us and says, we're hiring you because our books are perfect. <laughs> sure. They come sure. to us because they're a mess. And Absolutely. we, we literally, it's really like putting a jigsaw puzzle together where we just start the process. We figure out the bank accounts. We find, we start finding statements and we start asking questions and we gradually put it together. And I've actually had cleanup, uh, cleanups where it's taken me a full year to get an account completely current and up to date. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. On the other hand, I have a number of, uh, of retired military people who wisely got into investing while they were still in the military and some of them mm-hmm. are active and some of them are retired mm-hmm. but they're mm-hmm. uber organized <laughs> and we love picking up these clients and we get lots of referrals from them because these are people that led very organized lives sure. right and right. they invariably they will come to us and they will have they will have a, a spreadsheet with all of their bank accounts all ready to ready to give us the information you love that <laughs> i love it they'll have a google drive and they'll have a they'll have a, a folder for every single property they own they'll have every property management statement they've ever generated they'll have every mortgage statement they've ever seen awesome mm-hmm. they'll have every card, credit card statement and they didn't know what to do with it mm-hmm. but they were smart enough to keep it in an organized fashion unbelievable that's yeah, awesome yeah that's awesome and so we can take that and it still takes us a long time but at mm-hmm. least we're not searching hither and yon for everything Sure, and we sure. can turn that into a proper set of, uh, of books. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Dave. Um, you know, we just about uh, time for the episode, Dave. I appreciate your time. Uh, give, give some of your best advice to, uh, to investors as, you know, they are planning to scale up and things like that. Well, the one thing I can say is that, and, and we're investors ourselves, so we know this, but the typical entrepreneur is, is somebody who may be great at going out and just talking to people 
finding mm -hmm. deals, digging for deals, digging for information. But the details and the backstory is what always escapes them. It's sure. very, yeah. very typical with type A people, very typical with entrepreneurial people. And what we tell them is, you know, get good at what you're good at doing mm -hmm. and outsource everything else. Sure, Outs sure. And, and mm -hmm. one of those things to eventually outsource, of course, we're self-serving is, is bookkeeping. Sure, um, sure. But just like you outsource, you know, somebody to do your direct mail, you outsource where you get your, your rental list, all these other things. Just think of us as another outsourcing option to take off, to take off your plate. And either it makes it so you can go find more deals Sure. Or maybe you can take Friday afternoon off once in a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are wise words. And I, I, I definitely agree more uh, there, Dave, is that, you know, focus on your strengths and perhaps uh, delegate, automate some of the other things that, you, mm -hmm. you know, you're not good at or perhaps don't add as much value personally to your business in general. So right. I appreciate your kind words, uh, Dave. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you. Uh, please tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you and find out more about you. Well, the best way to, uh, to reach us is through our website and the email address and uh, the website address is reibookkeepers.com. Simple Bookkeepers enough. within mm. that. very simple. reibookkeepers.com. Sure. Mm -hmm. It's uh, there's just a little bit of information in there about us. There is a, a button where you can schedule a free consult and we're happy to talk. Even if you're not ready to hire us, I'm happy to provide the information so that you can, when you are ready, you'll have the information in order. And we, we believe that's really important. I would love to have everybody, um, you know, get organized even before they need us. And um, we can provide that information, but we provide, we do free consults and you can schedule right, uh, right on the website. Best place, uh, best way to find us. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Dave. It's been a pleasure. And listeners and viewers of the podcast can also find all our episodes at premiumcashflow.com. And experts like Dave and many others are kind enough to come on to show and share their expertise. Uh, at the website, we also have many more uh, you know, news, details, and reports, and things like that, where you can learn a lot about, uh, you know, different aspects of investing, bookkeeping, accounting, uh, and things like that. And if you're interested in investing with us as well, we have on the website invest with us button where you can send us a message and we can get, uh, get uh, schedule a brief call and find out, you know, what a uh, you know, what you're looking to do, what your goals are, and perhaps if, uh, if things align, we can present you with some lucrative uh, investment opportunities as well. So it's been a pleasure, Dave. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I appreciate your time. And you. I, I look forward to hearing with you from uh, future as well on a future episode. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest.